Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We want to let you know about our new Wired for Greatness online discipleship platform. It equips you to do the work of God in your realm of influence. Check it out at wiredforgreatness.me. Enjoy this podcast. We're starting a new series today, and you might just get a glimpse into my personality a little bit with the title of this series. (laughs) We've called it The Wild, Weird, and Wonderful Ways of Yahweh. That is... What we're talking about for the next few weeks, I don't know how many weeks it's going to be because I have a lot of wild, weird, and wonderful things to talk about. So we're just leaving it open-ended, and when, we're, when I'm done, you'll get done. It'll be good, okay? Your Bible is full of a tons of really, really, really weird stuff. I mean, has anyone read the whole Bible? It is like crazy town in some places, all right? There's some real wackadoo stuff going on in there. All right, and one of my favorite things to hear people say, because I used to say it all the time growing up in a certain denomination, I, love, I used to say it, and I love to hear people say it. It makes me chuckle. God wouldn't do that. Makes me laugh. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, I used to say that too, and then some stuff happened to me. And then I read my Bible without my bias lenses, and I found out that that stuff's in there. So... We're going to talk about some of it, but I want to give you uh, the reason for this series. I'm a big why guy. I want to know why I'm doing anything, right? It's important to know your why. Start with why. Here's the why. Because I believe the church needs to rediscover the God they're overly familiar with. Did you hear that? I believe that we, the church, need to rediscover the God we are overly familiar with. Familiarity breeds contempt. Jesus could not do any mighty miracles in his hometown because they were overly familiar with him. We stop the flow of miracles when we think we understand the miracle worker. And let me just suggest to you that you don't understand God. You don't understand God. How can I say that? Because God is not under where you're standing. You do not understand God. God is not under your feet. (laughs) It's not under where you're standing. I know that could be flipped either ways, but it just sounds important today to understand that we don't understand. Say, I don't understand. God all the way. You understand some things about God. You understand God is good, but you don't fully understand that God is good. You understand that God is love, but you have just a tiny little understanding of that, I promise you. These things are eternal truths. Whenever Jesus said, truly, truly, I say unto you, He was saying, an eternal truth I'm about to give you. This is a truly, truly. This is true forever. It always has been true. It always will be true. Truly, truly, I say unto you, an eternal truth. And I just suggest to you that it takes an eternity to understand an eternal truth. That's what I would suggest. So let's start off by just defining some of the terms because that's the reason I want to rediscover the God we're overly familiar with because I want to be in awe of God again. Has anyone ever been bored in church? Anyone else want to just be honest? Okay, yeah, all right. I have been extremely bored in church. Has anyone ever, this is a little more tough. You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. I'm going to. Has anyone else been bored with God himself? Feel like their relationship is stagnant? Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Thank you for being honest. Yeah, I think that if we rediscover the God we're overly familiar with, Awe and wonder is going to be birthed within us again. And I think we can, don't have to look very far. It's not even very difficult. I mean, this thing is full of crazy, all right? Full of crazy. So, why Yahweh? Yahweh, Yahweh. That name is important. I want to just 
you might not know. You might think like, what is Yahweh, Jesus, God? Is that? Yes, it is God. It is the, it's the proper name for the Lord God in Hebrew. Okay, let's say it together, Yahweh. And that's, you know, I, this is really funny to me. You might not laugh, but when people say, God, God did that, I'm like, yeah, way, yeah, way, way. No way, Yahweh. <laughs> I love it. I've messed with people all the time. It's fun. So Yahweh is that, that proper name, and it actually literally means the self-existent one. The self-existent or the self-eternal Jehovah. It's the Jewish national name of God. So it's the Lord in Genesis 2, chapter 4, or chapter 2, verse 4. It's whenever you see um, some of your Bibles have the Lord all capitalized, that in the Old Testament, that's Yahweh. Okay, say it with me. Yahweh. Now, I love the name Yahweh because it's actually designed to sound like your breath. Most of you know this, but I'm just going to talk about it anyway. It's so good. I love it because I actually, I have this thing. I have an obsession with my one-year-old son. I love to watch him sleep. It's this weird thing. I, I, will, I will fall asleep watching him sleep. I'm just like, I love it. I don't know. And I, I love to watch him and I love to listen to him because I hear the name of God on his lips. Every being at rest speaks the name of God. Let's take a deep breath in. Take it out. That's how you say Yahweh. It's designed, it's on purpose. It's supposed to sound like your breath. Your breath is the name of God. I don't care. Agnostic, atheist, Buddhist, Muslim, Christian. You at rest speak the name of God. <clears throat> That's why it, we must strive to enter into his, help me, rest. Hebrews 4.10. That's why this is called the resting place. We want to rest in the love of God. We don't want to work for the love of God. We want to work from the rest that he gives us in his love. And we are the resting place. You are the resting place. But we want to create, beyond that, we want to create a resting place for the Spirit of God in Tampa Bay. Amen? We're just joining in that fight. There are many churches in the area that want to do that. We bless them all. We're joining in with the church of Tampa Bay and saying yes to the Holy Spirit, invading and resting and abiding. Amen? Amen. And we specifically are saying yes to some wild, weird, and wonderful things. Okay? So that's what you walked into this morning. Congratulations. So I actually believe, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to introduce this series with just a very a simple one, okay? Uh, I'm going to do an easy on-ramp. I want to I take everybody with me. So we're going to get wild and weird next week. Today we're just going to stick with some of the wonderful, okay? We're going to start with wonderful, an easy on-ramp, okay? I don't want to freak you out. And I'm going to try my best not to ruin the next few weeks because it's all really fun stuff. I'm not going to talk about it. But here it is. Here it is. This is what I want you to take away today. This is the truth. Yahweh has a wonderful way of hiding. Yahweh has a wonderful way about him of hiding, of disappearing for our benefit. I can see that look. You don't halfway believe me, so that's okay. Here's God's favorite game. God's favorite game is hide and seek. God's favorite game is hide and seek. He hides you seek. He loves it. He loves it. I was just actually talking to uh, my wife, Jamadis, about this. And I, we, she and I were thinking, maybe that's why children love peekaboo so much. 
It's a childish or childlike wonder that we should have with God that it's like, hide, there I am. And I'm going, there I am. Peekaboo. My son loves peekaboo. I mean, he plays it with himself. <laughs> By himself, in the corner, he'll grab a blanket, put it over his head, and he'll start laughing. He'll start going, uh, uh, uh. And then he'll throw it up and say, go, boo, a boo. That's what he does. He throws it over his head, uh, uh, a boo, you know, by himself, not even in the mirror, just to the wall. I, he loves it. He loves it. I think God loves it too. So God has a way. I'm going to prove this stuff to you, believe me. God has a way of disappearing and a way of hiding for our benefit. And here's the deal. If you feel like God is far from you, he's probably very close. But he's deciding to whisper. And I really want to encourage you right at the beginning here that if he whispers, it's an invitation to lean in. It's actually, listen, man. Some of y'all who've been walking with the Lord for a long time and you feel stagnant, you feel like God isn't moving in your life, it's actually a sign of your maturity when God whispers and doesn't need to shout. Some of you are like wishing, we talked about it earlier, wishing for the yesterday, the shouts of God, the bang, slap you on the ground, electrocute you thing. And God is saying, you've grown, you've grown beyond that. I'm not going to shout at you. I need, I'm going to whisper. Because anything God does is an invitation to deepen relationship. And sometimes he needs to shout at you. And other times he just needs to pull you in closer. If you feel God is far from you, I want to tell you, he's very close. He's probably whispering. You got to get quiet enough to hear the whisper. Because Yahweh has a wonderful way of hiding. He loves to hide in plain sight. He loves it. I, one of my most, I mean, this is the text for today. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament is the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Jesus and the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. You, how many of you know this story, yeah? This is a crazy story. So this is actually the day of the resurrection, and we're going to read in Luke 24, verse 13. Um, we're going to start first through 35, but we're going to do a little more after that that's not on the screen. So I have it on the screen for you because it's in the Passion Translation. Because I feel like the Passion Translation needs less explaining. It's just really good. Anyway, here it is. So this is the day, after, this is that day when Jesus appeared to Mary. You know, last week, I'm kind of tracking with a story here. Last week, Resurrection Sunday. Same day. All right, it says, later that Sunday, two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about 17 miles. I mean, that's pretty wild right there. Who's going to walk 17 miles? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Anyway, that's an American claim, like first world problem right there. They were in the midst of a discussion about all the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied, accompanied them in their journey. They were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside them for God prevented them from recognizing him. God wouldn't do that. God prevented them from recognizing him. Did you read that? They were unaware. There was Jesus walking alongside them, for God prevented them from recognizing him. <laughs> this is so hilarious to me. Jesus said to them, <laughs> it's funny. I'm trying not to laugh through the whole thing here. You seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about so sad and gloomy? This is Yahweh. This is the Lord Jehovah. This is God going, yeah, what, are you, what are you talking about over there? 
hey, hey, guys, what, what's, what's going on? You seem so sad and gloomy. What's up? <laughs> God wouldn't do that. Well, Jesus is God. Even, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, but even on his, above his crucifixion, the way they wrote the sign, it actually made the name Yahweh above his sign. The way they wrote it out, King of the Jews, all that stuff, in the different languages, all that, it actually spelt Yahweh. And that's why the Pharisees were so upset. They're like, you can't say we killed Yahweh. You got to take that sign down, Pilate. You remember that part? Yes? Take that sign down. You can't, you can't say we, we're crucifying Yahweh. And Pilate's like, I did say you, what I wrote is going to stay. They were freaking out because it was a big old sign to the whole world. We just killed Yahweh. More than a prophet, more than a healer, we killed God. That's why they're upset. And they said, make it say he claimed to be the king of the Jews because that would have disrupted the spelling and all that. But this is Yahweh, God, saying, why so sad? Why so gloomy? As if he doesn't know. This is the omnipotent God saying, what's wrong? <laughs> they stopped, and the one named Cleopas answered, haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? Jesus asked, what things? <laughs> I can't. I can't. This is so funny to me. What things? Oh, man. They continue. <laughs> uh, this should tell you what God is like. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8. This is how God is in your everyday life. <laughs> what things? <laughs> the things about Jesus, they continue. The man from Nazareth, they replied. <laughs> He was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders. His words were powerful, and he had great favor with God and the people. But three days ago, the high priests and the rulers of the people sentenced him to death and had him crucified. We all hoped that he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. And Jesus is just standing there going, oh, yeah, wow, hmm, hmm, that's interesting. You know, he's just, can you see this like a movie in your head? I see it like a movie. This is God in the flesh standing there listening to them explain all the details. <laughs> I don't know if this is helping you, but I think it's funny. <laughs> Early this morning, they continued, some of the women informed us of something amazing. They said they went to the tomb and found it empty. They claimed two angels appeared and told them that Jesus is now alive. Can you hear the unbelief there? They said, they claimed, two angels appeared and told them that Jesus is now alive. Some of us went to see for ourselves and found the tomb exactly like the woman said, but no one has seen him. Jesus said to them, why are you so thick-headed? <laughs> Guys, step into the story with me, okay? This is God going, hmm, wow, that's amazing. And then he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you acting so stupid? You ignorant, man. That's what he's saying. He's saying, why are you so thick-headed? Why do you find it so hard to believe every word the prophets have spoken? Wasn't it necessary for Christ the Messiah to experience all these things, all these sufferings, and then afterward enter into his glory? Because God expects you to believe not because you've seen, but because you're a believer. 
I'll believe it when I see it. That makes you disqualify yourself from being a believer. I'll see it when I, I'll believe it when I experience it for myself. That's good. You need to go get your own encounter, but you need to choose to seek the encounter, not be critical of the encounter you haven't had yet. Blessed is he who sits not in the seat of the scoffer. God does not mind a skeptic. Skeptic, he hates a scoffer. It's different. You can be skeptical in the kingdom. You can be a truth seeker. That's fine. Does that help anybody? Like anybody like me who wants to ask questions? You can be skeptical. You just can't scoff. Scoff because that's not God. Nope, nope. You guys are crazy. Nope. You're, those people over there, wacky, crazy. No way. That's scoffing. I know because I grew up that way. I said, all those people who speak in tongues, nope, of the devil. All those people who pray for the sick, nope, it's fake. I scoffed. I scoffed in my upbringing. And then I got whacked to the floor. And I saw my mother get healed of a 30-year condition through me. In my unbelief, I went to Honduras with some crazy believers who prayed for the sick. And I was like, what is this? God is standing there, hidden from them, begging them to believe before they see him. Are you following me? And God does the same thing today. Then he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself through the scripture. He started from the beginning and explained the writings of Moses and all the prophets, showing how they wrote of him and revealed the truth about himself. As they approached the village, Jesus walked on ahead, telling him he was going to a distant place. That's called a lie of omission right there. A distant place. That bother you? That bother you? He did not want them to know. He's like going to go, you know, back into the heavenly realm. He was appearing and then disappearing over and over again with all these people. He didn't say, guys, I'm going to heaven. And most of us want God to say, here's what I'm going to do. A, B, C, D, E. And he's like, no, I'm going, I'm going to just do a distant thing over here. You'll figure it out later. <laughs> but they, plead, they urged him to remain there and pleaded, stay with us, it says. It will be dark soon. So Jesus went with them into the village. Joining them, we have it, I think. It says they urged him to remain and pleaded, stay with us. It will be dark soon. So Jesus went with them into the village, joining them at the table for supper. He took bread. This is hilarious. Amazing. He took bread and blessed it and broke it and then gave it to them. And all at once their eyes were open and they realized it was Jesus. Then suddenly in a flash, Jesus vanished from before their eyes. <gasps> they see me. <laughs> Has anyone experienced this? You feel like you're just about to like, Grab hold of God and then, where'd he go? You're like, oh, this is God. What, where'd he go? Never mind. Oh, I thought God was moving over here. Oh, no, I don't. Now it doesn't look like he is. This is one of the reasons for church hopping. God draws you and then disappears and see if you'll stay and believe. And many of us bail out when God is begging us to believe. Ha, 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 ha. In a flash, Jesus vanished before, before their eyes. Can you see how Yahweh has a wonderful way of hiding, of disappearing? He loves to disappear. It's good. Stunned, they look at each other and said, why didn't we recognize it was him? Didn't our hearts burn with the flames of holy passion while he walked, while we walked beside him? He unveiled for us such profound revelation from the scriptures. Now they're going, oh, we should have gotten it before our eyes were open. Are you following? Yes. Yes, they were like, why didn't we get it before? All the evidence was there. 
Everything we needed was there. Our hearts were burning like with passion like they did before. We should have known. Yes, you should have known. Are you okay? Is everyone okay? Good, all right. <laughs> You're looking at me kind of weird. They left at once and hurried back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples. When they found the eleven and the other disciples all together, they overheard him saying, them saying, it's really true, the Lord has risen from the dead. He even appeared to Peter. So here's the two disciples from Emmaus. They walk into the other disciples saying, it's true, he's risen, we saw him. That's pretty encouraging, right? You don't think you're so crazy. You find some other crazies who claim the same thing. You know, you might be sitting next to someone you found today, and you're like, oh, more crazies like me. Yes. More believers like me. Then the two disciples told the others what had happened to them on the road to Emmaus and how Jesus had unveiled himself as he broke bread with them. And that's beautiful. What a beautiful metaphor. That as he broke the bread, it was a familiar. It was saying, here's my body broken for you. And they saw him. Because you only see God through the veil of his flesh torn open. It says we enter in through the veil, not made with human hands, but the veil of his flesh in the book of Hebrews that was torn open for us. We don't enter in through a curtain to the holy place. We enter in through Christ. We enter into Christ and through Christ into paradise, into eternal life. Those who believe in the Son have eternal life right now. Did you know eternity is sitting in your chair? Did you know that you are in heaven right now? You're a bilocational human being. You're seated in heavenly places and seated in that chair. But maybe you don't see it. Maybe your eyes need to be open. Hallelujah. I didn't put the rest of this on the screen, but it continues. It says, and you can take that down. It actually, in verse 36, it says, while they were still discussing all of this, Jesus suddenly manifested right in front of their eyes. <laughs> he, come on, guy. He walks with these guys 17 miles, you know, and then he sits down, breaks bread, disappears. They freak out, run to the other disciples. They're all talking about it. And Jesus is like, yeah, and boom, here he is again. <laughs> oh, Lord, I, Okay. I just had a thought, and I'm, I'm timid about going there. <laughs> I'm just checking. Oh, man. Uh, this is all the stuff that gets you in trouble right here, all this stuff. It's not in my notes. Lord, I didn't put this in my notes. It's nowhere in here. It is. There's this thing called the parousia, Greek word parousia. <clears throat> and if I'm wrong about that Greek word because it's not in my notes, I will correct myself next week. But it's actually the coming of the Lord. Okay? Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, it's the parousia of the Lord. It says, behold, I am coming soon, the coming, all that. Parousia has absolutely nothing to do with distance. Nothing to do with geograph geographical distance or the distance between two objects. It has 100% all the time everything to do with awareness. <laughs> Behold, I am appearing soon, Perusia. Behold, I'm getting nervous right now because I don't even remember if Perusia is the actual Greek word. But the Greek word for coming, that one, just let me couch it. <laughs> I believe it's Perusia. Is I am going to appear soon. If you think that God is over there coming here, you got it wrong. If you think that Jesus is off in the distance, 
And we'll be closing that distance one day. Because there is, a, I believe, there is, the Bible says, a physical appearing of the Lord. So just so I can couch this and not get in too much trouble, I can hear the heresy police online right now. I can hear them. Oh, you would be appalled at the amount of Facebook messages I get. I can hear them typing. <laughs> I can hear them typing. I'm getting hot. Uh, God is not over there coming here. God is going to very quickly appear. And the word soon, we haven't understood either. The word, uh, he's going to appear soon. The word soon has nothing. To, oh, man, I can't. Lord, Jesus, I'm struggling up here. This is me. This is me not being a preacher. This is me carrying your hearts in my hands. I'm just, I just care for you. I don't want to throw you into a whiplash here. I really do. Maybe I have some pastorliness in me. I don't know. Soon is not the word. Okay, let me just put it this way. Soon is a relative term. Okay? Very soon, you'll be in a place where there's bathrooms in the building you're in. Like when you get home. Right? <laughs> soon, you'll be home. And soon, I'm going to finish preaching. Those are different amounts of time, right? Soon is le- relative. I was in Israel for my seventh time this last time, and I, we have our same tour guides. And I said to him, I said, Abibi, because that means beer, beloved friend in, in Aramaic. I said, I'll see you soon. I'm not going to see him for a year. But it was still true. Okay? It's a relative term in English. But it goes even further in the Greek, and it literally means quickly. It means not quickly in the sense that you just thought. It means when it starts, it'll be fast. It means when I start to appear, it's going to be like, boom, 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 quick. It's all going to come fast. Bang, here it is, heaven on earth. Boom, done. Behold, I am appearing, you're going to be aware of me, quickly, at a rapid pace. It's the only way it makes sense, guys. That's what it actually says. It's the only way it makes sense because he's been coming soon for 2,000 years The Lord is coming. Yeah, soon. Rapidly. When he decides to come, it'll be quick. (laughs) No one knows the hour of the day. So if you say you do, you're a liar. All right, back to my notes because it's off of me. I get this thing kind of like the Lord put, yeah, anyway. All right, I don't want to freak you out too bad. Suddenly, Jesus manifested right in front of their eyes. They startled and afraid. The disciples were convinced they were seeing a ghost standing there among them. And he said, be peace. I am the living God. That means, and I'm sure he said, I am Yahweh. It's in Greek in our Bibles. But I'm sure that he said, I am the living God. I am Yahweh. Peace. I am God. I am living active. I am Jehovah. I am everything you ever wanted me to be and more. Amen. Don't be afraid. He continues, why would you be so frightened? Don't let doubt or fear enter your hearts, for I am. He says, I am. He's not I was or I will be. He's I am. Experiencing the presence requires you being present. (laughs) I got to go back to it. No. (laughs) That's why that theology about it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming is a problem. It removes you from the presence He's going, he's going, he's going, he's going. (laughs) He's coming, he's coming. Prepare yourself, prepare yourself. I get what we're trying to do, but it takes the present moment out of focus. He's the I am. 
Not the I will be. God is currently trying to move on your life through you. And if it's all about the day of the Lord, you miss this day that the Lord has made. That's why it's dangerous. And I'm going to stop talking about it. <laughs> Lord. All right. Yahweh has a wonderful way of hiding. They were unaware that it was him because Jesus hid, or God hid him from them, right? The road Emmaus. He went on to open the scriptures and reveal to them himself via the word of God. So sometimes God wants you to get the revelation while you don't know it's him giving it to you. I mean, I, no, I'm just, just going to be one of those days where I just get into lots of trouble. It's fine. You can get revelation from a Beyonce song just as much as you can from the Bible. Sometimes I count to see how many people will stand up and leave or heckle me. Listen, because, the listen, the Holy Spirit leads you into all truth. He leads you through it. God can speak through a donkey, then God can speak through Beyonce. I know she's mixed up in some weird stuff. I'm not saying take her as an icon and do what she's doing. And I get it. Protect your children. I've, I got a one-year-old son. I'm not saying out of season, follow me, hear what I am saying. What I am saying is God can speak through the paint on these walls if he wanted to. And often he's speaking in the way that will offend you the most. Like maybe a long-haired tattooed guy changing your theology about end times. I don't know. <laughs> God loves to put it in a box that offends you just to see if he'll, he'll hear the word of the Lord despite your hang-ups and offense. Despite your confusion and doubt. Just like on the road to Emmaus. He wanted to know, are you going to hear the word of the Lord despite the fact you don't know it's the Lord? Are you going to honor the vessel because of the truth being spoken, not because of the vessel itself? Yeah. I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> uh, sometime God, sometimes God hides himself from you in the sense of awareness in order to lead you into a revelation of himself. Sometimes he's hiding himself from you. I hope this encourages you that if you're like, man, I don't see God moving anywhere. Sometimes he's hiding just to lead you into something deeper. And sometimes he's appearing, absolutely. I'm not taking that away. But Yahweh has a wonderful way of hiding. Jesus breaks bread with him. Eyes are open. Poof, he disappears. So funny. And then he goes and reappears. He loves this hide and seek thing. They're all convinced he's a ghost. He actually proves that he's not a ghost by eating something in front of them. So this is one of the most amazing things about the ascended Christ. And something I forgot to say last week, I'm going to say it now. Jesus had not yet ascended when Mary was clinging to him, right? Jesus also had not yet ascended when Thomas clinged to him. He ascends in Acts 1. Whole bunch went down before he ascended. And that's important because he appears to over like 500 of his disciples, I think it is. He appears to a whole bunch of people. He's leading a host of captives. Ephesians 4 says, he who descended, also ascended, leading a host of captives with him. What is that? That's everyone in Abraham's bosom. You can do a study on that. I'm not going to go into it. But it's everyone who believed God for the Messiah before the Messiah came. Like a holding tank of paradise, okay? And he was leading them up. And he stopped down here on the way, appeared to Mary, Thomas, the road to Emmaus, all these people. He appeared a bunch of times on his way up, right? And the, the graves were open of some of the righteous, right? 
I just heard Bill Johnson speak about this, and it was hilarious. I'm going to repeat it. He was, Bill thinks that David and Moses and all those guys who were being led up to, you know, being ascended into the heavenly places of God, they're like looking at Jesus like, he's going to be a while. He's saying hi to all his friends. We might as well see the sights. Might as well get a tour of Israel while we're here, see what's changed. It's like, David, come on, get on the bus. Let's get on the bus. Let's take some pictures. It's just hilarious. It says the graves of many righteous actually open, and they're walking around. Like, it doesn't say who, but I just imagine, like, David's walking around and seeing if anybody know who David is. He's just a normal guy on the streets, like, standing there. Like, I'm, I'm King David. Don't you know me? What? Hey, anybody going to? Where's my scribe? Where's my poet? I got a song to sing. You know, he had seven scribes. He had every, I think it was every uh, seven times a day, he would just break out in spontaneous songs. And they would, they would write them down as he's singing. They would hand him a harp. He just starts spontaneously singing, and they would write it down. That's the book of Psalms. That's where most of it came from. So this guy's a worshiper. I'm sure he's like, where's, where's my harp holder? <laughs> just being funny. But this, for me, explains the nature of God and explains the mystery of the ascension, Okay. Because you've, I've said this before, you've been resurrected already in Christ. When you say yes to Jesus, we're going to talk about this. I'm not going to ruin it. You actually become a time traveler. <clears throat> time travelers in the Bible. How else were you past tense co-crucified when you weren't there? But you were, but you weren't. Space kind, time continuum just kind of ripped open for a minute and closed back when you said yes to Jesus. And God worked it all out. All right, oh, don't ruin it, Caleb. That's a few weeks from now. Anyway, but when he ascends, he proves by eating the fish and everything in front of them, in Luke 24 on past verse 38, he proves that he has a physical body, and he takes that physical body into the heavenly realm. He ascends and sits down at the right hand of the Father. Think about this. Like, got lifted up off the ground in front of them. In this, it wasn't like he became a mist and disappeared. Or he, this, one of these, lifted off the ground and disappeared into a cloud. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Hiding himself for thousands of years. Can you physically see God right now? Is God in the flesh walking around right now? Trick question. No one's answering it. Yes and no. Not as he was, but as he is, so also are we in this world. God is love, and he lives in vessels of love that have been converted into holy use. You've been, how do you carry the Holy Spirit if you're not holy? All right? You've been converted into a holy vessel that carries the holiness of God. You don't always act like it, and that's a problem. We're working on that. But the truth is, you are one with God right now. The life of the believer starts in union. It doesn't end there. It starts in union with Christ. You are one with God. As soon as you say yes to Jesus, time, space, continuum, rips open, closes again. You're one with God right now. God is sitting in your chair. God is sitting in your neighbor's chair. Get this. God is, God is sitting in your spouse's chair. And often God is using the chair that offends you most to speak to you. <laughs> the one that you have the most trouble with 
This one, he's like, yep, I'm going to use that one to see if they'll hear my voice, no matter what the vessel, to see if they'll believe my word, no matter how it comes. That's what God does. He took his physical body into heaven, guys. Think, there's a man in heaven. Flesh and bone sits on the throne of God. Flesh and bone sits on the throne of God. A human is in heaven, seated on the mercy seat. Yeah, but we get it. We get it. Jesus died, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. We get it. Do you think we need to rediscover the God we're overly familiar with? Anyone think that? Oh, yeah. Okay, I got an oh, yeah. Here's a few more scriptures, and then I'm done messing with your brain. God loves to hide. Yahweh has a wonderful way of hiding. Psalms 139.12 says, There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. He, there's no difference between night and day to him. He walks around pitch black night. He can see fine. He loves it. Loves it. It's good. Psalm 18.11, I believe we have this in the Passion Translation. It says, wrapped and hidden in thick cloud darkness, his thunder tabernacle surrounded him. He hid himself in mystery darkness. The dense rain clouds were his garments. He hid himself in mystery darkness. A lot of us don't have a theology for God hiding himself in mystery darkness. <laughs> a lot of us don't even have a grid for that. God, how is God light and clothed himself in darkness? He's God, that's how. Psalms 115, he sits in the heaven, he does what he pleases. It's who he is. Psalms 25, 2, you, you probably know this one, it's in the ESV. It's the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to what? Search it out, search things out. In the Passion Translation, I love this translation, it says, same one, Psalms, or Proverbs 25, 2. It says, God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory. God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory. But the honor of kings is revealed by how they thoroughly search out the deeper meaning of all that God says. I want to read that again. God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place. You want a revelation of God? You got to go where he's hiding. You got to seek him. Hide and seek. It's, a lot of us just want it right here, Sunday morning. Here I go. Here's the revelation of his glory. Just line up. Here you go. Bang, 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 bang. McDonald's church. No, no. I'm going to inspire you to go get alone with God. I'm going to inspire you to seek him in the hiding place. I'm, just try I'm trying. That's what I'm trying to do. That's my goal. If I have to feed you, I only feed you once a week, and you're going to be hungry. Don't come to church to get fed. Come to church to get hungry. Come to church to learn how to eat for crying out loud. You're not babies. Quit acting like babies, Tampa. But the honor of kings is revealed by how they thoroughly search out the deeper meaning of all that God says. Yahweh has a wonderful way of hiding in order to draw us in closer, in order to reveal deeper things to us. Yahweh has a wonderful way of hiding. Amen? Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We want to let you know about our new Wired for Greatness online discipleship platform. It equips you to do the work of God in your realm of influence. Check it out at wiredforgreatness.me. Enjoy this podcast.